Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 399 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Daryl, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. We're on episode 399. Can you believe it? That's quite impressive. It's it. ridiculous. Yes, so we will have a 400th episode next week, which will have some additional stuff in it, I think, as well, hopefully. But before we get to next week and all that, what have you been up to? So the first thing I'm going to talk about is a film called Polite Society mm-hmm. that came out earlier this year. It's a UK film. It's sort of an action comedy written and directed by Nida Manzur, who's done some directing of TV shows. But this appears to be her feature debut. Right. And it stars Priya Kinsara, Ritu Arya, and Renu Brindle. Probably the easiest one to recognize would be Rita Arya. She appears in the last couple of seasons of The Umbrella Academy. Might recognize her from there. Must read the quick synopsis. Rhea can't believe she must save her older sister, Lena, from her impending marriage. After enlisting her friend's help, she attempts to pull off the most ambitious of all wedding heists in the name of independence and sisterhood. <laughs> So, as you probably gathered from that, it's pretty wacky. Yes. But definitely a lot of fun. Very stylized. I very much wanted to watch it when it came out in the cinema, but unfortunately, because I live in the middle of nowhere, the, <laughs> cinema, the only cinema that had it was a train trip away, and once you factory getting off work going, it made things a bit difficult. Yes. So I had to opt to wait for it to come out on SVD. And uh, what did I picked up? And uh, yeah, it's really fun. Story about two sisters, their love for each other, and I guess their ambition to make marks in the world. The younger sister wants to be a stuntman, which for Muslim girls, not necessarily the go-to. <laughs> yeah. And I think her ambitions are sort of tolerated by her parents. And I think she very much looks up to her older sister, who's just returned from art college. But she herself is struggling. She feels like, you know, she's good enough at the art college. And that's where we sort of start. It's very endearing. It's very fun. It's very over the top. I would definitely recommend it. Also got a great tagline, which is Big Trouble Little Sister, which that that's genius. <laughs> that that whoever the marketing agency came up with that, I need well them to I need them to run stuff over mine and get me some more engagement. That's great. Yeah, that's a great tagline as well. It does look like a really fun film. I'd not heard of it before, but yeah, reading the synopsis and the stunt woman that she idolized was Blaze on Gladiators, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, from the first 
ever contestant to become a gladiator. Yes. So she won and then came back as a gladiator. Yes. And yep, yeah, now and now she's a stunt woman. Yeah. Up to recently as well, because I had a quick look when I sort of feel like, is that a real person? Could I keep on dropping that name? So I looked her up. So yes. yeah, that was the first thing. Next is Harlan Coburn Shelter. Do you know Harlan Coburn? Yes. Because he's one of those authors who constantly appears at the front of things because lots of things get adapted for TV. I think he tends to produce a lot of them. Well. Yes, they're usually for Netflix, but this one isn't. It's a Prime Video one. Yes, I can remember the one with um, the star of Dexter. Yes. Um, uh, where he starred in it. And that was a Netflix one. So this one is yes. called Shelter. Which you'll sort of figure out, if you've seen it, maybe the trailer you probably figure out or the link is. Mickey lives with a mother in rehab, a dead father, an annoying aunt in a new school in New Jersey. When a creepy old woman tells him that his father isn't dead, Mickey thinks he's losing his mind. But basically, the idea is that Mickey, who I believe because we were about 16, him and his family, mother and father, move back. They don't say where, but they move back to the States the view to Mickey sort of trying to get himself a scholarship. Pretty gifted at basketball. That runs his family. His uncle was a very famous basketball player. Mm-hmm. Seems like weeks after they move back to US, they get T-boned, which results in the death of his father and his mother. She's sort of not committed, but she goes into a mental health facility just because she can't deal with it. Right. We hear previously she was a former child athlete and couldn't deal with the stress of that and sort of had a bit of a break then. And I think obviously the death of her husband and that and all the trauma aspects that so she's away. So Mickey, played by Jaden Michael, goes to stay with his aunt. Constant Zimmer in the town the two kids that you know his father and his aunt grew up in mm-hmm. and goes in school meet another sort of transfer student a young lady they instantly sort of connect he arranges to meet with her that evening he goes to the meeting she doesn't turn up basically things start from when he starts looking into where she is with the help of two of his friends but even on the first episode we find out there's a lot more mm-hmm. and it's really got that uh, cuckoo's wife thing there's something there's something very wrong with this town and it seems to have things going back to when his father was a child because you see it 25 years ago which makes no sense without any context so obviously i won't keep on watching until i get to that part Yes. To figure out why that was a thing. So it's finished now. Yes. For run. But someone was asking me um, about, they wanted some recommendations for teen shows. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at it and went, yeah, try that. And they watched it. They loved it. So oh, I better go watch it myself. Right. Yeah. And two episodes in, it's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. It's it's very tight. They just eke out a little bit of it every episode so you don't get frustrated. I would highly recommend it. It's an interesting one, that, because not only is it on, Prime rather than oh. Netflix because you know Netflix can't hold onto their talent but <laughs> it's it's actually set in America this one and the, the thing rather surprised me that uh, Harlan Coburn is actually an American crime writer and most of his books are actually set in America but they transposed a load of them over into being in yeah, the yeah. UK when they actually made them so Safe which was the oh, one that you one. mentioned yeah. and The Stranger and Stay Close all those were originally set in America I think in the novels and then they moved them to the UK so I always assumed that he was a UK writer and he isn't he's an American writer so it's interesting to see that it's actually one set in America and that it's a YA thing rather than being around adults because a lot of it's been around sort of adult relationships and suburbia and a lot of his stuff is kind of based in that sort of thing so it's an interesting different 
one, I think, for him. I haven't looked at it yet. It's popped up a couple of times, and I think I kept on thinking, oh, I must go and check that one out. I, I would assume it's the self-contained story, because usually the Harlan Coben things aren't continuing series. They're like one-off oh, things. Okay. I would assume it's a one-off thing, but it looks like it's quite good. It's eight episodes. It's all up on Prime Video now. So I, I, I do mean to go and have a look at that at some point. Okay. I guess other things, yeah. Jaden Michael Stars, um, Carl Zimmer, um, Christopher Plaha for Wonder Woman for you lot, for Hallmark Hong for the rest of us. Um, he's he's the father in it. So the people who you sort of instantly recognize. Yeah, great. Definitely worth paying. Now we get to the interesting one. Letter Kenny. Yes. So obviously, you know that I run Hollywood North News and Letter Kenny is about as Canadian as sure as you, you could possibly get. <laughs> well, yes. It's about 110% Canadian. Yes. And it basically follows a man, his best friend and his sister and their sort of adventures in their small town. It's just really quick dialogue, really snappy sort of comedy. It reminds me of things like a bit of like the airplane and those sorts of comedies from the 70s and <laughs> just a snappy talk a lot with all around a subject each episode so in the first episode of the first season because 11 seasons out in the first episode follow wayne played by jad kiso he's just been dumped and he's resolved to stop fighting because that's one of the only things to do in the town and it's basically just his friends trying to get him to go back to fighting and having fun and we see how that gets resolved by the end of the episode and then the next episode is just because he started fighting spoilers he now has to take back his title as the toughest guy in Letterkenny and arranges fights with the other people so it is call up and they literally just have duels like <laughs> 1800s you go with seconds as well which right. I thought was hilarious and yeah it's just fun it's kind of wild Letterkenny is also notable because it led to a spin-off called Shawzy which Again, stars Jared Kiso when he goes off into the city play hockey for a lower league league. So that's uh, what else I've been watching. Yes. And it's pretty rare for me because I don't really watch comedy, but it's fun. It's not one that I'd actually, I, I'd heard of it, but it's not one I'd actually looked at. But all 11 seasons are on ITVX. So you can actually go and check them out for free. They're only short seasons. I think first one's six episodes. I think all the yeah. others are seven episodes, actually. So it is all available up on ITVX if you want to go and uh, catch that. But it does look like quite a good, fun Canadian comedy, that one. Just go and check that one out. I guess the last thing is I've been finally sort of getting into Wheel of Time season two, which has been out for a while. I think it's just about to have its last episode of the season soon. I'm someone who read the book, so yep, I'll be insufferable for the next 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> so it's a weird one because Wheel of Time is 15 books long, mm -hmm. and those books in themselves aren't short. Yes. So in the crafting of the screen, there has been a lot of changes made right. and a lot of changes that you could that come up even in the first season. It was noticeable in sex season even more. So I think as I talked to other people who read it, a lot of us, sort of, mm, I, don't, I, I don't know, we're going to have to look and see how it all shakes out. Just because by its very nature, it's very much a hero's quest. Yeah. And understandably, members have dropped some serious money on this and they've very much made it a um, ensemble cast thing. And it is ensemble some books I've seen books as well but you will have loads of books where people don't turn up even the main things so I think that's why certain feats of sort of heroics have been sort of spread out amongst the rest of the right. uh, main cast 
uh, little storylines have been introduced with people who would otherwise be spending just a lot of time training, I guess. Yeah. So it's a bit weird to get used to. Obviously, it's just very much just uh, almost inspired by it at this point. But I love the casting. Everything beautiful. It's hard to even put across how awesome it is to see something like what they call when you see magic in this world, when mm-hmm. you see them being the threads and tying them together. It's like all something that even when you read in a book and see it on screen and go, ooh, it's just quite something special. And lots of parts of it I really like. I'm not sure how much I like how they're doing with Rand, who's sort of our main hero guy, but the rest of the members of his sort of friend group, I think they're given a lot more to do, and that's for the well. So it's just a weird one. Yeah, I, I can sort of understand that. I've not read the books. I kind of enjoyed the first season. But I feel like it makes sense. I can remember sort of a Harry Potter issue is that the uh, movies didn't really make a lot of sense by yes. themselves if you didn't have a little bit of background. Yeah. I feel that Wheel of Time so far makes more sense. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, certainly the first season made enough sense, I think. The cast is ridiculous. I've just been through that. I think there's 23 main casts yeah. listed. And then- there is probably 30 or 40 supporting cast that's not including like one-off guest stars as well so there's there's about 30 more people on top of the 23 people that are actually listed as main cast so there there is a ridiculous amount of people that you're sort of trying to keep track of which is potentially a problem but i i don't know i think it held together okay certainly for the first season i've not started the second season yet so i can't vouch for that at all but as somebody who wasn't a book reader i enjoyed it enough in the first season so you know we'll see it's didn't quite connect with me as well as some other things have it worries me the amount of money they are literally pouring at this thing Mm -hmm. i don't see the mass appeal of it yeah i mean even me as someone who's read it and the books are very different also books almost it has an endless sort of battle of the sexes thing there's a way that gender roles in there are a bit different and it's literally mentioned in almost like a third of every single interaction between people in there talk about that they'll talk about either why men are useless and can't be trusted to do things or why women can't be trusted and it just goes back and forth and back and forth mm-hmm. and they're not going anywhere near it in the show so far which is weird because it is something sort of important because it shows the sort of motivations about things like it shows a lot more why male channelers can't be trusted yeah I mean they did do a little bit of that and they did touch on it but not to that sort of extent but you need the sort of thing before then I mean it's just the idea of like, if you think of men in that thing being all but useless according to some and then you throw in the fact that male channels are dangerous because of what happened to the source of their powers yes it's less the men are useless thing and more men aren't allowed to channel because their power the is dangerous, dangerous yeah. yeah I did enjoy it it's just not enough for me to sort of suddenly leap on the second season when it yeah and that's out. what you and you really need that for something this big yeah I sort of get where you're coming from with that because they have thrown a lot of money at it and you do kind of wonder how long they're going to be able to sustain this at that level of funding yeah. if it hasn't got that many eyes on it i mean i don't know how well it is doing but um, no. it's certainly not got a lot of buzz around it i wouldn't have said i mean to be fair maybe we've gone past the place where we can have a lot of buzz about things just because of how fractured streaming and stuff is well yes that is true as well. I will jump on the second season at some point, but uh, I just haven't started it yet. Partly because, you know, Starfield. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> 
which I'm, I'm still buried in. I have actually completed one run through it. Oh. I have got to the end of the main plot of the main game. It then has a sort of new game plus thing, which oh. without giving too much away, the new game plus is tied in to the story it's not a sort of kicks you out of the game and you start again with all your stuff it's done very differently to that so it's sort of integrated into the story is the new game plus thing it's an interesting one and having been through it i do really love the game i mean i've got hundreds of hours in it it's been great fun it is not quite as deep as maybe you would want it the stories have been quite good there are some bizarre design decisions for certain things in the game as well in terms of what they've done with the interface or they've given you these massive planets that you can go wandering around but there's no mounts of any description in the game you know there's weird little decisions that they've made matt when we were talking about it last week, we referred to it as uh, Bethesda jank. And there is a certain amount of that through it. It's like, well, why does it work that way? Why did you think that would be a good way to do it? You know, and there's a lot of things that when you look at it, you start to see that. But overall, I am having a lot of fun with it and I am really enjoying it. And as I say, I got to the end and then carried on, which I never do with games. So I think that is a positive sign of it it is well worth picking up there are hours and hours in that game that you can play with it i will probably keep on playing it until city skylines 2 comes out and then i will put it down for a bit and pick up city skylines 2 but i've got mods running which solve some of the issues which are, is great uh there is I'm sure going to be tons of DLC that come out for it and that will expand it. It's going to be very interesting to see where this game is in sort of three, five years time, because I think that is sort of what it's designed for. What you've got now is a very solid foundation of a base game. There are things that will get improved by the modding community. There are things that will get improved and added on by DLC and I think the game of the year edition that comes out, you know, like Skyrim available on your toaster and fridge or whatever it else it is, they launch Skyrim on next. It's going to be that sort of game for them. I think, you know, there is going to be a, a sort of definitive version of it eventually, but it's probably five years down the line before you've got that version. But there is a lot of fun of things to do in it as it is. And when they fully release the mod support for it, because it's not properly mod supported at the moment, when that all comes out, I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Have you had a chance to pick this up yet? No, I haven't Haven't been doing much gaming at all. Unfortunately, my soap sounds changed. I've got even less time than I used to. Right, to dedicate yes. to gaming. It is one of those things that you're going to want to sort of dedicate time to as well. But yeah, it is a really, really fun game to play and I am thoroughly enjoying it still. So I will be playing that, I think, for a little bit longer yet. In terms of TV shows, Ahsoka, I'm still working through that. Got one more episode left. It I does think. indeed. I've been quite enjoying that. I think they've done a pretty decent job. Started off a oh. little bit slow, but picked up, I think, a bit it more did, towards certainly. the end. I'm not sure about Ezra. Yes, I know what you mean. The sort of Zen Ezra thing. He's kind of fitting, I guess. You can sort of see Ezra going that way. I could accept it if he was maybe somehow like lost and left alone, but he's not alone because they're all there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it would there wasn't any allusions to him making trouble for Thrawn. Yeah, I mean, it does appear 
that Ezra escaped or left Thrawn, went off into the wilderness and sort of... Uh, Pulled a Yoda? Pulled a Yoda, went into hiding, found his little friends, stayed with them and didn't bother Thrawn. Which, I mean, I suppose that sort of does make a certain amount of sense because it's not like Thrawn can be a danger being stuck in a different universe. I suppose you could look at it that way. It was like, well, you know, I did what I needed to do. I got him out of that universe and he's one guy with one ship at this point. So we'll leave him to do his thing and I'll go off and do mine. And that's it. You know, so you would think Thrawn might have gone looking for him, given that they are on the same planet. But I don't know. You can start poking holes in it. But I think it's been interesting seeing those characters come back in live action. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful to see them back. And I do wonder where they're going to end up with this. Is this going to be the reason why we haven't seen these characters later on? Are they going to end up stuck in that galaxy somehow? And then we're going to have a sort of a galaxy offshoot of... Star oh, Wars. Oh, please, no. <laughs> or God, something. I, I don't know. Or are they going to end up going back somehow? And that's going to tell a piece of history that we've not had before. I, I don't know. This seems to be another one of Disney's little foibles of, you look at the, the episode counter, you know, there's no way this is getting resolved in any way. It's remotely satisfactory in one episode. And then you watch it and prove it right. You go, oh, why did I watch another one of these Disney Plus shows? That is the thing that bothers me as well, is they've got one episode to wrap this up. And, and there's still sort of things happening back in our galaxy, so to speak like potentially dodgy senators which doesn't seem like it's going to get resolved at all yeah and she's like oh oh why are you doing this to us yeah i don't know try and reserve judgment until we've seen the episode this week and we'll no doubt mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. it next week but yes i have the same concerns of you of like where are we going to end this are they going to announce a second season if they're not going to wrap it here I mean, if they announce a second season, fine, but you're not going to get a satisfactory conclusion to it, I don't think, in one episode. I'd lost unless it's a very, very long episode. I I don't know. So Ahsoka is ongoing at the moment with the next episode this week, final episode this week. Mm-hmm. Also working my way through the morning show, which has been really good. Billions, which has been really good this season as well. What, what season of the morning show are you on? Because there's one. a few. Oh, the current one, okay. Yeah. I hear good things. Yeah, it, good things. it is People a great show. Really it has been a really, really great show it's dealing a lot more with the sort of corporate stuff of the sort of parent company and the there's a, a sort of buyout potentially looming and so there is a lot of that stuff which is just a mirroring life of corporations bleeding money and getting bought out by other people and all that sort of stuff so um that's been kind of interesting and billions which is on its final season which has been really enjoyable throughout the entire run but uh it's been nice having damian lewis pop up every so often in this final season uh so that's been quite good and uh, i'm still not entirely sure where they're going to end with that but i have faith they'll come to a satisfactory conclusion black mirror i realized that i hadn't actually watched the whole of the last season of black mirror so uh i i jumped back in and picked up a few more episodes because of course they're not connected to each other so you can sort of drop in and out of them the beyond the sea episode which is the one with aaron paul and joss hartnick in it that very dark <laughs> that episode which is the two astronauts who have got sort of replicas back on earth that they they used to 
push their consciousnesses into and it's sort of an alt history kind of version but uh that's that's really enjoyable Maisie day as well which is the uh one which is a celebrity follows a paparazzi as well and that's really interesting twist that that one has i've not connected quite as well with this season as some of the previous seasons and i think part of that is it, it's gone a little further away from its sort of original premise of the kind of technology out of control and and i mean i know it's not always been that but there's been a lot less of that in this season Joni's awful the opening episode was very very mm, black yeah. mirror and i think that's the one that a lot of people connected with but the others and, and i mean i've liked the others they've been interesting little sort of strange movies with a twist in but they've not felt exactly as black mirror ish as some of the others maybe have they are still all written by charlie brooker i mean he's up to him what he wants to write it's his show after all but still some interesting stories but slightly not quite what i necessarily expected i've still got the final episode which is the red mirror demon 79 episode to go of that i did watch a movie this week because it's out on home release i picked up blue beetle have you seen this i have not i did consider picking it up i had already picked up palace had right so that's, as i said go with that movie for now but yes I, I think i will be picking it up at some point yeah i found it enjoyable i will say that up front i did find it an enjoyable film it does have a script that feels a bit like they fed a bunch of marvel movie scripts into ai and said write me a superhero film because there are bits of iron man there are bits of spider man there are bits of ant-man in there i mean it really is so generic in places i'm sure a lot of you know and seen promo thing for blue beetle it's about a kid who is called Jaime Reese, not Jamie, makes that point a number of times. Yeah, um, he comes home from college, just graduated, finds his family is in financial trouble. They're about to lose the house, so vows to go and get a job. Ends up, after a series of things, getting a job with Cord Industries, mm. which is run by Victoria Cord, played by a very scenery-chewing Susan Sarandon. She's clearly the evil CEO. Obviously, if you know your DC stuff, you know that Cord Industries is usually by Ted Cord. In this instance, Ted Cord is her brother and he's mysteriously disappeared. And when he disappeared, he was running the company and it had sort of originally made weapons and Ted had come in and had taken them away from weapons. Victoria's now come in and was sort of bitter about the fact that Ted got the company in the first place and has switched it back to being a weapons manufacturer. She has this scarab thing in a lab and she's trying to utilize that to build the ultimate super soldier basically. Jenny Cord, who is Ted's daughter, disagrees with her aunt, Victoria, and ends up stealing the scarab and gives it to Jamie to keep safe. And of course, the scarab goes and bonds to Jamie, and that's how you get Blue Beetle. So that's the pretty much the setup for it. But it has got the standard tropes of scenery chewing evil CEO person fighting mm-hmm. against kids that has gained superpowers out of nowhere and the movie ends with two equally powered people beating the hell out of each other like the Iron Man movie, like the Hulk movie, like Black Panther. Mm. You know, it's just very generic in its plot points and does feel a bit like it was a thing that was written by an AI when you told it 
make me a superhero film. That's not to say it isn't enjoyable, because it is. I mean, if you've got a couple of hours to spend and it's out on Sky Cinema or it's on TV, worth sitting down and watching it. Cast the great Zolo Maridua, um, uh, I think his name is, is the lead in it. And he plays Jaime and he's really charismatic and he's great as the lead. George Lopez plays Jamie's uncle, Rudy, who is great in it as well. He's uh, described at one point as being a sort of Doc Brown character and very much that sort of thing. He's a sort of conspiracy theorist and kind of slightly nuts and off the wall. And he's great. It also has uh, Adriana Baranza as Nana, who is obviously Jamie's grandmother, who is so kick-ass in this and just really funny. Those two characters are great. There's also a sister as well who's quite good and the mother and it's a really nice well-put-together cast. It's acted really well. I think the script is just fine, but you kind of know where it's going from the moment you sit down and start watching it. I mean, it's just really generic and nothing you haven't already seen before. But it is still quite an enjoyable film. Not massively original, but enjoyable. So if it's out and you've got a couple of hours that you want a decent, fun, little popcorn film to go and watch for two hours, Mm -hmm. worth going to check out. It is out to buy. It will no doubt come out onto streaming services and stuff relatively soon in a couple of months. So keep an eye out for it. And the other thing that officially kicked off this week was Gen V, which yep. is also on Prime Video. Have you been watching this? Indeed. You can head over to Hollywood North to see my review for the first three episodes. I thought it was really good. I was very much worried. Like, there's a lot of people who kept asking me, Are you going to be watching Gen V? I think there's definitely a, an estimation that it's just probably not going to be as good as the boys but what i've seen in those first three episodes it's very different keeps the sort of gross out body exploding aspects of boys yes people love but it's telling an interesting mystery story Mm -hmm. and it also takes a look at whether we can compare with our own world everything's about following and ranks like that and I think one reason why I like it is because we obviously we have this cast we're following, but they could still be good. Pretty yeah. much most people in the boys are done for. There's yeah. like two or three people who like aren't completely destroyed by whatever happened to them before. Whereas here you have a slate of people who have their problems and we see in horrific things what happened to Marie Moreau, who's our basically our unofficial lead <laughs> when she discovers her powers. That was awful. Um, yeah. But we look at these people and for the most part, they mostly seem to want to be good and it's a chance of them being it. Whereas I guess when you watch the boys, you know, everybody's sort of given up and or they're just evil. I've always been evil. Yeah. So I like I like that different. It gives me some cheerful, which I don't really have in the boys. Yes, I, I think that is fairly true because the suits, particularly in the boys, are all awful with the exception possibly of Starlight. I mean, they're pretty much yeah. all terrible. The boys themselves are a little bit of a mix as well. So I know what you mean. And it's kind of presents this sort of nature versus nurture thing because the boys sort of presents all soups are bad and people like Starlight are kind of an anomaly. Whereas this is more presenting the fact that they don't all start out that 
way. Yeah. It's kind of the way that they're drilled into being superheroes that sort of bends them towards that douchey competitiveness that we see and that sort of power corrupting. And one other thing I really like is the fact that for these kids, because obviously it's college, they're around 18, because there are some like seniors, they would be like, you know, 18, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. For them, obviously, it's only been a few years since Compound V made public. Yeah. So before then, they assume that they develop powers and it's just like an, it's just an X-Men thing. But obviously now all other people know that they were experimented on by their children. You can see the difference it makes for them because they haven't gone too far. Whereas, you know, for like members of Seven, that is too far. It's yeah. sort of too far gone now. So I think it's also been mentioned that the end of the boys last season is before this. So they've all seen Homelander lose it. Yes. And cut a man down in cold blood. So just those things makes it much more interesting to sit there and watch. Mm-hmm. In the faculty, we see a different kind of evil in that obviously we're watching everything. We can see the other side of what it is. And we see sort of the disdain that certain members of the faculty look at the students and you just go, mm-hmm. ooh, yeah. while manipulating them masterfully. Yeah. It looked good. I hope it could stay at this level. And if it does, yeah, I'd be very happy with watching it. I have seen more than the first three episodes that went out because they sent me some previews. So I, I've actually seen the first six. And it does continue at that level. It's been really, really good. I was kind of disappointed that we didn't have it all to kind of look through because I was like, I'm going to have to wait now in four weeks because they released the first three at once. So I'm going to have to wait until the others come out. But I really, really enjoyed it. And the casting's been really good. There's some faces that you will recognize in there. And um, some Yeah, so you recognize Shan Perdomo, British actress, Chili Benjamin Sabrina, and I think, Morse or whatever the Morse spinoff was. He was he was in that as well, apparently. And Jazz Sinclair, who was also in Chilling Convention, Sabrina, they're working together again. Yes. And you would probably recognize the new vice chancellor or whatever it is that they call them in the US. D- Shelley Kahn. She's a teen, isn't she? Yeah, who's been everything. Very well-known British actor. Lots of things on her resume. And she's just very evil and smarmy in this. Yeah, and you've got Patrick Schwarzenegger in there as well. Clancy Brown is in there. Sean Patrick Thomas. Plus, you've got a few guest stars popping up from the boys as well. People across the boys that sort of pop up at various different points. If you like the boys, you're going to like this. It's a really interesting expansion to that universe. I think they've done a really solid job with it. Definitely worth going to check out if you've not checked out Gen V yet. Although I imagine if you've been watching the boys and you knew this was coming out, I'm sure you've probably taken a look at it by now, but worth taking a look at that. I think it's the Tech Night episode next week that's a great episode as well so really really good go and check out gen v on prime video so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
We kick off the TV and film news with renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, first cancellation is Home Economics. That has been cancelled by ABC. I think it ran on Disney Plus over here. We were waiting for a few renewals from ABC. Uh, Rookie Feds, which is still on the line at the moment. Oh, they really hold on to that one. Yeah. Whilst the strike was running, they couldn't do a decision on that. So I suppose. The other thing is The Good Lawyer, which is the backdoor pilot spin-off of The Good Doctor. They haven't made a decision on that yes but now we might hear some news on that over the next few weeks but at the moment nothing on those but home economics they have decided to be fair that i think hadn't been rating particularly well and it's just unfortunate because it seemed to have been quite a good show certainly there was a lot of love for it when the announcement came that they weren't going to renew it so it is a real shame but just didn't have the audience so that has gone there was a a little bit of news because david mitchell the british comedian is out plugging a book i think at the moment so he's been on various shows somebody asked him about upstart crow on one of the morning shows upstart crow which was the um shakespeare comedy that he did it was sort of black adder-esque i would say that one i really enjoyed it it's such a shame but it has been cancelled by the bbc after three seasons i mean it hasn't aired since 2018 that was when the last episode i think actually went out so i mean it's not a great surprise that that's not come back and he did say that he would love to do more episodes of it it's just yeah the bbc didn't want to bring it back and so they haven't got a home for it at the moment but it is one of those things i could see somebody like dave maybe picking up and continuing it would be nice if they could make more of that because it's a fairly easy cheap sort of sitcom thing to do because it was a bunch of standing sets so it can't have been particularly expensive to shoot but the reason that you haven't seen that since 2018 is because the bbc opted not to bring it back but it's never been officially announced as cancelled up until now but that's the situation with that and in the u.s stars cancelled three things including a show called run the world blind spotting and Heels, which is the Stephen Amell wrestling show. All three of those have gone. Stephen, who got rather in trouble with SAG AFRA because he was on stage at Comic Con and the strike rules basically banned them from talking about any SAG related projects, past, present, or future. And I think that was rather frustrating for him because he was at a Comic Con. He wanted to promote the show, but wasn't allowed to promote the show because of the fact they were on strike and the rules wouldn't allow them. So he could appear at the con, but he couldn't talk about any of his work. And I rather suspect that that was what he was trying to vent his frustration about because he knew that Heels was in a very precarious situation and Stars have now actually canned it after two seasons, which is a shame because it was quite enjoyable. But unfortunately, I don't think it had the audience that they needed and that has gone. I think they are trying to sell it on somewhere else, but whether anybody will actually pick it up is anybody's guess. It's It could be quite a tough sell, that one. But yeah. Heels, blind spotting, run the world, all gone. On the renewal side of things, SpongeBob SquarePants has been renewed for a 15th season. I can't believe there's only 15 seasons of that. It sort of feels like it should be a lot more at this point, but um, been renewed by Nickelodeon, so that will be back for a new season. In pickups and other news, we have had a few UK pickups. 
Interview with the Vampire, which we mentioned a few weeks ago, had been picked up. That's going to the BBC Two and iPlayer, and that's on Thursday, the 12th of October at 9pm. That will be landing on there. I would guess they're going to drop the whole thing on iPlayer, but that's when it's going to go out on BBC Two. So 12th of October for that. Go and check out iPlayer. Darkwinds, which is another AMC show, that's also got a premiere date now. That's on Alibi, that's on Wednesday the 18th of October at 10pm. That's going to be landing on there. Breeders has got an air date for its fourth and final season. That's Friday the 20th of October at 10pm on Sky Comedy. That will be landing. True Detective Night Country, that has got a premiere date, which is the self-contained anthology series. It stars Jodie Foster, I think, in the latest one. That is going to be Monday, the 15th of January, 2024. I think that's the first January actual fixed premiere date we've had. It's going to simulcast for the US. So we're at 2am on Sky Atlantic, and now that will be. Okay. And at the same time, it's going out in the US for that one. And as the writer's strike is over, which we'll come on to in a minute... The late night talk shows are starting to come back in the US. Last week tonight with John Oliver and Real Time with Bill Maher, both of those have now actually returned. By the time you hear this, they will have actually gone out. So you can go and find them on Catch Up. But uh, they're going out on Monday, the 2nd of October. So they'll be back going out on Monday nights in their usual time slots. So that's 9pm for last week tonight and 11pm for Bill Maher for uh, those two. So they are now back. The uh, is it Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, whichever one of the NBC ones that goes out on Sky. I, I think that will be back this week as well. But um, okay. uh, the various late night shows are starting back up again. So you'll be able to go and find those. And there'll be clips going up on YouTube of all those things because that's what they do. The writer strike is now officially over. The Writers Negotiating Committee voted to recommend that the tentative agreement, which I think we mentioned last week, will now be sent to the members to be ratified. The final vote will take a couple of weeks to actually go through, but the writers have been allowed to go back to work in the interim period. So technically they are still on strike, but they've abandoned like all the strike rules whilst the vote goes through. Technically a possibility that that could get rejected by the membership, but given the stuff that they got that mm. isn't going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I've read uh, it too. Yeah. I mean, there really, there is no chance that the writers are going to reject this because the oh, negotiating God, no. committee did an incredible job getting this through from the Alliance of Motion Pictures and television producers. It's a new deal which will last until 2026 and it should be easier to get it renewed now this stuff is in place. So, although it is only until God, 2026, so. unless something drastically changes, it should be easier to negotiate because they've now got some rules in place for it when that comes up in 2026 again. It's not that normal for them to go on strike twice in a row. Usually it's just a case of renegotiating a few terms and percentage points of things. So here's what they actually got. Basic wage increase for the writers on the same annual agreed rate by the studios with the Directors Guild, who actually got all their stuff signed off on without striking. So uh, it's a 5% increase in the first year, 4% increase in the second year, and 3.5% increase in the third year. Also increases to pensions and healthcare as well. So, I mean, that's pretty basic, straightforward stuff. Specific issues of things like AI. Studios are not going to be allowed to require writers to use AI as a tool for 
writing and must disclose if they are given AI-generated material to writers during the process. So you can't have an exec go and knock something out of an AI thing and hand it to a writer and say, can you write something around that? They've also secured key contract language regarding the use of its members' work in data sets to train AI programs with the contract dictating that the WGA reserves the right to assert that exploitation of writers' material to train AI is prohibited by MBA or other law. So that's basically stopping them from using writer's work to train an AI system. So you couldn't feed a bunch of NCIS scripts into an NCIS AI script generator and produce a new script from it. That is not going to be allowed to happen, which is good because that's not what you want. That's the sort of basic stuff on AI. There's a few other bits and pieces with that as well. Streaming residuals, which is one of the big things. So starting in 2024, streaming titles with a budget of more than 30 million that are viewed by 20% or more of the service's domestic subscribers in the first 90 days of release get a bonus equivalent to 50% of the fixed domestic and foreign residuals. Views will be calculated as hours streamed domestically of the season or film divided by runtime. For example, a project written under the new agreement on the largest streaming platforms would receive a bonus of slightly over nine grand for half an hour episode, 16 and a half grand or thereabouts for an hour episode or 40 and a half grand for a streaming feature. So that's a pretty substantial increase that they're getting. Mm. The WGA will also receive confidential viewership data on streaming shows based on hours viewed, though only aggregated data can be publicly shared. So they basically, I mean, the streamers are still being very protective over actually what gets out into the public domain in terms of what shows yeah, are doing well and what. That's so true because as a citizen, Dave, you know that just because something's confidential, as no end of government documents are, <laughs> yes. doesn't mean they don't get out. Exactly. I've given it about three months before, not far more about numbers on a show did than we ever probably want to. Yes, because writers will have relationships with various media outlets and mm. it would not surprise me if some stuff actually got leaked, even if the media outlet then finds some way of sort of fudging that slightly so it doesn't look like they've got you know but yes i think that's going to be quite interesting feature length streaming projects with a budget at or above 30 million the minimum initial compensation for a story or teleplay will be a hundred thousand dollars an 18 percent increase from the current rate and a 26 percent increase from the residual base so basically if you write a script that is going to cost over 30 million to film then you will be paid at least a hundred thousand for the script which is good news. I mean, it does mean that you're probably going to get quite a lot of features that are going to get a budget. 29 million, 29,900,000. Yes, 29,900,000. So we'll see. But not necessarily a bad thing, though, because it does also put them in a position of creating those smaller movies for those streaming services, which is an area which isn't expanding as much right now because everybody's kind of trying to make huge, big budget things. So it's actually not necessarily a bad thing. And to be fair, if they're really scripted, then they've like pumped out, you know, maybe an eight episode comedy um, streaming season for 20 million, they're probably going to be more likely to go, okay, we'll renew that, keeping all those people and that crew in 
in a job for another year <laughs> than the 50 million one that they did give them as much as they wanted. Yeah. So something to be said for reigning in budget. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be something that you will see them thinking about when they're commissioning stuff for streaming services, which is going to be interesting to see how they exactly they handle that. Streaming residuals will be based on the streaming platform numbers of foreign subscribers for globally available services. So it's taking into account for residuals worldwide for people like Disney Plus or Netflix. So that equates to a 76% increase, including a 2.5% base increase to foreign residuals for the services with the largest global subscriber bases over three years. The formula is the same as the foreign residual structure negotiated by the Directors Guild of America last summer. So the slightly frustrating thing is there has been a system in place to do this, by the sounds of it. When combined with the foreign residual improvements, this should result in a three-year residual of 216,000 for projects on the largest streaming platforms. This would represent a 49% increase from 145,000 under the 2020 mutual bargaining agreement. So that is a huge leap again as well, which is great news. So they have managed to get a lot more out of the streamers for residuals, which is what they wanted. The other big issue was staffing requirements for writing rooms because they had this problem that you were getting a bunch of- mini rooms. Yeah. You were basically getting a bunch of writers hired to create mini rooms to get a show greenlit and then everybody was getting kicked off it and they weren't getting guaranteed amounts of time or getting paid for the amount of time that they were spending on developing a show. They weren't getting credits for it, all that sort of stuff. So requirement for studios to hire three writers for development and three writer producers, that is including the showrunner, for a guaranteed 10 weeks work in a pre-greenlit project. So that means before a show actually gets the go-ahead, you have to hire three writers and three writer-producers, one of those being the showrunner, for 10 weeks to develop the show. After the show is greenlit, they agree to hire writers according to the number of episodes ordered. So if it's six episodes or fewer, three writers and three writer-producers, seven to 12 episodes, five writers and three writer-producers, 13 episodes plus six writers and three writer-producers for at least 20 weeks or the duration of the post-greenlit writer's room, whichever is shorter. During the production, there will be a minimum of the showrunner and two writer-producers employed for 20 weeks or the duration of the production. There is an exception in there for shows which are entirely written by one writer, such as Ahsoka, which we were talking about earlier, which is entirely written by Dave Filoni, or something like Big Little Lies, which is entirely written by David E. Kelly. In those situations, they can write that all by themselves without having all these extra writers insisting on sort of being part of it. So if it is a show which they've ordered from a specific writer, then that specific writer is then responsible solely for writing and developing that show. You can't then suddenly dump a load more writers in. The other argument of that is, well, maybe they'll buy more things that only have one writer, which may be a good thing, maybe a bad thing. I mean, it will put less writers in work 
but it would create more interesting shows potentially as well but they're likely to be shorter run things what you couldn't do is force like one guy to write a 22 episode season of NCIS because you can't physically do that you know no, one guy if, can... just because of this because the shooting schedule is insane yeah. so it's like they do it for more than half the year so you'd always be writing yeah those smaller sort of auteur projects there is an exception for those but as a general rule on most shows you're going to have writers rooms and you're going to have multiple writers and if you're going to have multiple writers then that's the agreement i mean hats off to the wga they did a phenomenal job getting all that stuff absolutely through. it is an astounding deal and which is what they referred to it as and so that's been fantastic the actors union are still on strike as i mentioned earlier they're still blocked from promoting things right now they are meeting I think today and over this week. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully we'll have a resolution of that fairly soon. Their problems are similar, but not identical. There is streaming residual stuff in there. Uh, there is stuff about AI, although the AI stuff is slightly different. So there are issues that they will need to work out. But some of the stuff that came out of this deal should be able to be transposed into the SAG deal as well. So it may speed things up, but it depends what sort of movement they're prepared to make on the other stuff. Whilst it does mean that the writers are back and that means the late night shows are back, scripted shows, you know, your Chicago's rookies, all that sort of stuff, basically anything that has an actor involved, that can't be back right now. So they still need to resolve this. They've kind of got until the end of the month at the outside to be able to resolve this. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to get things shot for this broadcast season. The idea is that if they can resolve actor strike this month with the writers back, they hopefully can get straight back to filming. And if they get straight back to filming, they should be able to put out half seasons of shows. So that's shows landing around about the time they would usually come back after Christmas. So your sort of January, February, March they will land in that period and it will be a half season of a show. So you'll be 13 episodes of Chicago Fire Med PD instead of 22 episodes of it. We'll see what happens with that, but hopefully we'll have some good news on that side of things this week. SAG have also opened up a new battlefront as well, which I should mention. They voted overwhelmingly to strike against the video games companies over the interactive media agreement. There is an agreement with the likes of Activision, EA, Insomniac, Epic, Warner Brothers, all the big boys in gaming world. They have been negotiating with them for about 12 months. That's hit an impasse. So they asked the members if they want to strike against the gaming companies and they voted overwhelmingly it was like 98 percent. they voted to say yes we're happy to strike up against them that doesn't necessarily mean they are going to go on strike against the gaming companies they are still in negotiations at the moment but if they don't see some movement in that negotiation in the way that they actually want to it means that they can put the actors on strike from being involved in video games, which I entirely understand why. I mean, historically, actors in video games have always been treated pretty badly, and arguably the AI protections are far, far, far more important at this point in video games than they are on the TV and sort of movie side of things. True. Because... There's lots of, like, full-motion-capped things of various actors running around... Exactly. ...on uh, video game company servers. Exactly. So that is something that does need shoring up and um, we'll see where they get with that but there could potentially be a strike incoming they may actually sort of end the tv strike and start a strike with the gaming company straight away we don't know but we'll see where that goes 
On to some TV news as well. Uh, ITVX has picked up Orphan Black Echoes for the UK. We don't have a date for this yet because it hasn't got a date either side of the Atlantic, but this is the continuation spin-off companion series to the main Orphan Black show. So it's not the same cast. It's an entirely new cast. This one being led by Kirsten Ritter. It's got Keely Hawes in it as well. It takes a deep dive into the exploration of the scientific manipulation of human existence. It follows a group of women as they weave their way into each other's lives and embark on a thrilling journey unraveling the mystery of their identity uncovering a wretched story of love and betrayal i mean obviously the original from black revolved around clones we don't know whether that's what this is going to be or whether this is going to be something else with a interesting hook and concept to it rather than clones don't know at this point but Gustin Ritter plays Lucy a woman with an unimaginable origin story trying to find her place in the world she's also exec producing it Keely Hawes plays a perceptive but sensitive scientist who finds herself at odds with her own moral code when circumstances lead her to make an unthinkable choice those are two of the main cast for it it's from Anna Fishko who worked on pieces of her The Society of the Walking Dead. She's creator, writer, and showrunner of it. John Fawcett, who was co-creator of the original series, is also producer on it as well. I do like the sound of this. I think it's going to be kind of interesting. I, as I say, I, it'd be interesting if they did something other than clones for this. But um, we'll see what they're going to do with it. But Kristen Ritter's fantastic. Kitty Yours is great. Did you follow the original from Black? I can remember watching the pilot, but just not being sort of pulled in, which I have several friends who need to sold me for that. But still, yeah, interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah, you really need to go back and watch that. I, I kind of know what you mean about the pilot episode, but you do need to go back and watch it because it just kind of gets madder and more bonkers as you go through it. And it is well, well worth going to watch the original show. It's really, really good. This sounds like it's going to be slightly detached from that. So, I mean, I, I don't know whether there is going to be any crossover, whether it's a thing that's sort of set in the same world and is different. They've been intentionally fairly vague with the descriptions of it. Yeah, because I remember the story, like, remember looking at the story of thinking, okay, I write about this, and then like looking at six different sources, and go, there's nothing here. <laughs> yeah. Give me some more info. Really is nothing in terms of what the actual plot is and what the sort of twist is going to be in it, which makes me think that it might not be clones, it might be something else. But it's actually being sold, although it's an AMC show in the US, it is controlled by Boat Rocker, who are the people that make it. And they've actually sold it in various places around the world. It's, so it's going to be ITVX in the UK. It's Stan in Australia. They've sold it into Hong Kong on in France. They've sold it into sci-fi on various channels across Europe and uh, Africa. It's really all over the place. They've done a really good job in kind of making sure that people are going to be able to watch it out there. So uh, that's really good. Don't know exactly when that's going to land yet, but uh, it will be on ITVX. I think that's a really good pickup for them. And also because the original show was a BBC America co-production with AMC. I think that's kind of two fingers up to the BBC as well, which I think will make them very happy. That's all the news we've got for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have Mrs. Sindhu Investigates, which uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago. It's coming to drama. It's uh, an Acorn TV 
show. It stars Mira Sayal as an interfering Indian chef obsessed with murder. Sounds like it's quite fun. I think it's based on a BBC Radio 4 comedy show which they had, which he also starred in. But uh, 4th of October at 8pm on Drama, that will be. You can go and check that out there. Lupin returns for its third season. That's the Gentleman Thief and Master of Disguise. That's on the 5th of October on Netflix. You can get that. And uh, I think probably the big one for us this week, Loki Season 2. Tom Tom Hiddleston returns on the 5th of October on Disney Plus as the God of Mischief Loki. I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm sure, I hope that's going to be brilliant. Loki Season 2, 5th of October. All Creatures Great and Small, that returns on the 5th of October as well. That's for its fourth season on Channel 5. That's at 9pm on the 5th of October. Ghosts returns for its fifth and sadly final season. That's the British original Ghosts on BBC One, 6th of October at 8.30. That will be on. Godfather of Harlem, that returns for its third season. That's the uh, Forrest Whitaker starring as Bumpy Johnson as the infamous crime boss. That's on Lionsgate Plus. That's on the 6th of October. And also on the 6th of October, Have I Got News For You is back for its 66th season. That's, um, I know, 6th of October at 9pm on BBC One. That will see Paul and Ian back for more topical comedy there. That is everything. There's there's definitely a couple of things I'm I'm looking forward to and sort of also not looking forward to saying goodbye to ghosts, but uh, that I, I am looking forward to coming back. And Loki as well, obviously, definitely be watching that. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? You can head over to hollywoodnorthnews.net to find all things Canadian the show's basically filmed in Canada coming up later this week we'll have an interview and a review of a Canadian independent film that I've just watched and I'm doing the interview itself tomorrow so keep it keep an eye out for that and obviously you can go and see my extended thoughts on Gen V my, that's out today cool so go and check Daryl out over there on hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV shows other people involved in the show Bex you can find on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. She's streaming weekly. You can go and find her there. She's also still doing her show with the guy from The Gadget Show, Jason Bradbury. She's oh, okay. doing her show still over on his channel as well. And um, if you're at Play Expo this weekend, she's presenting panels there. So you can go and find her in person and Play Expo. Go and check her out there. For Matt, you can go over on to entertainmenttalk.org and find lots and lots more podcasts over there. I'm sure there'll be some interesting stuff about Man U over on there as well and the gaming talk and all the other stuff that he does over there. So go and check that out. And for us, you can find us at the website on geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website place. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it today on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Geek Town on YouTube at YouTube.com forward slash Geek Town on Blue Sky at Geek Town on Instagram at Geek Town UK on TikTok at Geek Town UK and on threads at Geek Town UK that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye